0: You're listening to audio from One Church of High Point. If you'd like more resources or would like to donate, visit onechurchnc.net. And tell your work. Thank you worship team. You guys did an amazing job. Let's give our worship team and our, our band. And I know you may be thinking there's always room for you at the table. Amen. 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 Well, many of you may know I'm a product of the 90s, born in the 70s. If y'all want to know, 77 to be exact, do the math, 46. It's okay. in the 90s, um, there's some things that we grew up with that most of this new generation don't have any idea what it may be. There's a picture of this scene that used to go around and around. That's going to be in the screen. Yes. Y'all remember that? Boy. See, y'all are the young bucks, don't know anything about that. Freeze tag, all of that. So, we, that's how we got down in, in my day and age, right? Amen? And I want you guys to look real close to this picture. There's something that's behind the merry-go-round. You know what I'm talking about? If you rock too far, what happens? You lean a little bit forward. And not only that, see, this generation don't really see when we went to what McDonald's brought to the table. Ended up in the, Here's a picture of that. Y'all remember that? Boy. Yes. <laughs> we have all the little phone balls in there. You get to climb on the nets and stuff. See, that's, that's too luxurious. You know, we, we have metal bars. This, this is like penitentiary <laughs> for, for kids. This is where parents would send their children to be in timeout. You see the, the look on this boy's face? Because he knew he was in trouble. Growing up in the 90s and the 80s, place not like growing up today. Soon, you know, this it should be a picture in a second. It had a little rotating knob on it, and it was our first Nintendo game. Game, it was. Y'all, y'all remember that? Boy, Nintendo have anything of that? You thought you had to shake? Come on now, y'all know what I'm talking. about. We have any of that? We had one ball on one side and another ball on the other side, and all you had to do is. You had to move the slider up and down. And it, and it was not on color TV. Let me just stand correct. It was on a black and white TV. Come on now. Come on now when we got the Atari with the joystick on it, right? Boy, that's when Ms. Pac-Man came out and Donkey Kong and Frogger. And this, this was the first of Atari. See, we had one but not everybody. Boy. <laughs> Y'all don't know anything about that. And then we we thought we stepped into the next generation with Sonic the Hedgehog, Sega Genesis. That was the first, like, kind of true, I guess Sonic and Nintendo was kind of the first true, like, gaming station units. And then to play this Mario game and we stayed up all night for multiple nights trying to go from, from, from land to land and to season to season. And what eventually is taking place just with the Hamburglar and the merry-go-rounds and the first Atari, right? We have a, an Xbox in one of our spare bedrooms that just sits there. We don't even use it. The the Wii, place, the Wii station that we actually have is down in my daughter's college dorm so she can watch Netflix. And my son has an X5 or X4 box. Let's go play some, you know, Street Fighter. I don't get any invitation. 'Cause he gaming with his homeboys and everybody else, but it's all good. The point is this the things that we purchase. That sometimes we don't get that same excitement just things that we begin to see and begin to play with that. It, it kind of we push it off to the side and kind of collect dust. It's kinda like if you purchase a car and those who people who bought a new car, remember you used to every maybe three weeks, it kind of loses its, you know, it's, its enjoyment and fulfillment. And then, you know, it may be months before you wash your car love one another I used to hug and cuddle and kiss and you couldn't keep your hands off on each other you know when you say touch and agree amen <laughs> we touch and agree all right come on church been of what was there first is no longer there see when I when we was growing up we I used to have a telephone and it used to hang on the wall just to go to the other room right I remember that I remember what we what we used to come you know, we had to walk with the phone cord so that our parents won't be hearing what we're talking about, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Don't, don't play. You're yeah. going to look at your spouse and the fire's gone out. That, that excitement is not there. That, that you don't begin to send flowers to their job of the way. An artist in 1951 wrote a, 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 a record that's now borrowing artist B.B. King. He wrote a song. Two years later, uh, the thrill song became a number one Grammy hit. Much like those gaming units, just like the merry-go-rounds, or you looking at your spouse, and things have changed and shifted, and you begin to think about maybe the thrill is gone. Come on now, <laughs> amen. Come on, I'm about to drop the mic and ministry happening out of that house, amen. My house, too. Let me just get three. right. No, you know, yeah, cool, cool. To give us chapter number two is where we're going to get the thesis of our message today. As you turn in there and you say you need to hold off, just say wait Pastor. the book of Revelation. Chapter number two. It's the last book in the Bible, just to let you know. One through seven. I'll be lifting up the NIV version. The word of God says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walk among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, I have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. And you have found them to be false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and you have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you, um, John says, I have first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. And if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from which it's placed. But you have this in your favor, in verse number 7, whosoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. To the one who is victorious, I would give them, give, give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So for a short few moments, if I had to title this message, the message would be the thrill is gone. The thrill is gone. See, John is stranded on the island of Patmos, and he, he's recording the book of Revelation. The Holy Spirit has endowed him, and he's writing pen and paper and began to write to the seven churches. John is writing to seven churches with a report from the Lord. John writes to the church of Thyatira. He says, you know what? You love and you service and you sacrifice and you're patient, but you don't tolerate idolatry. Or excuse me, you do tolerate idolatry and you tolerate heresies. The church of Sardis, he says that, he said, you know, you kept the faith that you continue to keep the faith, but I have this against you, that you're a dead church. He tells the church of Paragamon that, you know, you have faith in Christ, but even in your faith in Christ, your church is still dead. And then he writes to the church of Ephesus. In Revelations chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, which we just read, he said, you know what? The church of Ephesus, this this is what I consider you. That you reject evil, that's good. That you have patience, that's good. You even have perseverance, and that's awesome, that's amazing. But I have this thing against you. That you left your first love. John is writing, telling, telling all these churches, like, look, this is what you're doing right, and this is what you're doing wrong. But for the church's Ephesus, you left your first love. So, so this, let, me just, just, let me just break this down real quick. So, God, what you're telling me, that, that we're doing amazing work, he said, yes, you are. But there's something missing. So, God, you're telling me that even though that we reject evil, that's great, but what's what's missing? God is saying that you're, you're patient and you have perseverance. But if you don't love me first, all that you're doing is in vain. See, Jesus desires that we fall in God, the Father, more than we fall in love with anything else. But let disappointment set in. Let let frustration knock at your door. How about you have a meal of unmet expectations? So we have disappointment coupled with frustration, coupled with unmet expectations and conflict. You find yourself pulling back from the church. More importantly, you find yourself pulling back from God. Now, did he say that this walk that will be easy? No, he did not. Did he say that it's going to be difficult? He says, yes. He said, when you talk to people and they don't receive me, dust the feet, the, shoe, the dust off your feet and keep on walking. But the problem is that the church has disappointments, frustration, conflict, unmet expectations. And you know what? People walk away. And they think they're walking away from the church, but you're actually walking away from God. How you pursue God in your life. How you pursue God is the direct connection, a direct link of his presence and his power in your life. Jesus is saying that if you pursue me with all of your heart, if you pursue me with all of your and he will put you before people where he will provide his presence, his protection, and his power. Like if you pursue God with everything that you have, he will endow you with his presence. He'll do because of me. But he says you have left Your first love. So church, this is what we have to do. We have to stop. You can get religion all day long. But God says, I would rather have an ounce of relationship than a yard of religion. God desires to be in relationship with his children. What are you doing to begin See, re- re- religion says this you have to. Relationship says, I choose to. Oh, do you see that? Religion says that you have to do X, Y, Z, and I have, I have your desire and your best interest in mind that I choose to walk with you and honor you in such a way that God will begin to be exposed in my life. Yeah. Yeah. We have enough religious people. We want people that's in relationship, big place. A shift in church culture where we start preaching religion so much and begin to really talk about relationship and discipleship. We have 66 book of stuff. Application. There's no application. So I'm going to ask you a question. Does God have your best or is he just getting your leftovers? Does God have because God wants all that you have. He's given it to you already. He just wants it in return. He wants your voice to worship him. He wants you to use your hands and your feet. He wants you to begin to sow into the kingdom of heaven here on earth when that's gospel. Verse 2 says this. I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but they are not, and found them to be false, that you have persevered and you have endured hardships for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But yet I have this against you. So God, you mean to tell me that We can be a church of servers and still leave our first love. God, you mean to tell me that we can be a church who works hard, but still leave his for our first love. So, God, you mean to tell me that we can be a church that uphold the scriptures and still leave our first love? You're absolutely right. That we can, we can preach and teach the gospel, that we can do all the, the great and, and, and magnificent things, that we can do whatever God has called us to do, but we still can leave our first love. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 says this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy your name? And do we not drive out demons in your name? Do we not perform miracles? Then he will plainly say to them, depart from me. I knew you not. You can do all of that, have all the giftings, and still leave your first love. So we shouldn't get comfortable in our position. That even in all that we do, all the ministry work, all the things that we, we are a part of, that we still have the opportunity to leave our first love. He says, consider how far you have fallen. John is writing, and he says, verse 5, consider how far you have fallen. But remember, therefore, from whence you have fallen from. He says, Remember. And so, if you're taking notes, my first point is this: remember your first love, right? To remember your first love, y'all remember when you first encountered that person, you begin to look at them in such a way you had Google eyes, and you know you're holding hands, and you guys, you know, you're you're taking them everywhere, you're showing them off. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Now you don't even show them off anymore. Y'all don't even leave the house anymore. God is saying, don't, don't forget where you came from. Go back and remember all that I've done for you, all the things that I walked with you through. And he left you, she left you, but you know what? I stayed with you. Remember that. Tweet it, Snapchat it, put it on IG, whatever you need to do, remember that. He said, Don't forget your first love. Don't just just remember. Go back. And remember, used to be a church where we used to set up and break down every Sunday. Y'all remember when we used to be a church where you used to haul things into a trailer, those church planters know what I'm talking about? Those stadiums or whatever you used to be, the, the church to be. No trailer, no building, no lights, no stage, no smoke machine. Foot stomping, that's all you had. He said, go back and remember where you came from. Go back and remember where we brought you from. I want you to remember at the point in your life where you depended on me for everything. For a little bit. You've been saved. You've been walking with me. That the You've gotten comfortable. Don't need three-point sermons. The gospel that we preach is simple. The gospel itself is that he came, he died, and he's coming back. That he paid a debt that you can never pay. Our sins. But because he saw fit to save us, he came down here to save you and I. That's the gospel. Remember, that's all you knew. John 3, 6, you have everlasting life. That's the only thing you used to quote. Now you're quoting Hebrews and Exodus and limitations and all of that. Remember that I never left you and i never forsake you. It's simple. Remember that you're first in the goodness of God, things that you allow to get in the way. What does the scripture say? It says that you left it. The scripture does not say that you lost Felicia, Cass, Lori. <laughs> huh. Come on, Buttercup, since you pointing fingers. <laughs> All right, Felicia, come right, nope. face this way. Felicia, come right behind Troy, and y'all just. <laughs> y'all, they just threaten me up here, right? So Trey represents Jesus, right? Choose, thank you. Come on now. <laughs> and I'm walking up, taught me to do. But then I get married. History together. And then, and sisters-in-laws. And family as well. Align ourselves with, to begin to look at it as we're further away from God. We allow our marriages to push us away from God. Ministry doesn't mean that you're connected to God. Let me just say that. Because you can be in ministry, fire, baptized, speaking in tongues, laying people out. So we allow relationships, ministry, our kids. And then, and then you're asking, God, how is that? else? Galatians chapter 2, you're saying that I, I left. God said, I never moved. You moved to get married. And there's nothing wrong with that because if you're burning, God says, hey, hey, come on, if you're burning, go ahead and get married. That's a whole. Not- leave this. If God gives you a spouse, amen. That's perfect. That's what God wants you to do. You should handle it as well. But ministry, family, friends, sports, the things that separate us, we answer that. And now all this stuff that separates myself from you, and now you got to work it out. So the question is, God, how in the world where I put you first, not. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever that may look like. I want you to internalize that before God. And just because you're like, well, I give to the church, no. Keep 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 your offering. Oh, <laughs> Actually scripture tells you to lay the offering down at the altar, then go get your stuff together. <laughs> Lost your first love. It says that you left it. Point number two, we should repent because of your first love. Remember where, therefore, you come from. And it says repent and do the decision to stop Works. We've been there before. Like, Lord, I'm not going to do that no more. God, you get me out of this jam. I promise you that I would never do this again. And even though that you are saved and, like I said, sanctified and you've been following God for years, we all struggle with things. There's times where we relapse, that we go back to the person that God took us from being who we used to be. And it may not be a vice that you may have personally, but somebody may cut you off in a parking lot and you're you're saying some choice words in Jesus' name, amen? <laughs> and you think because you slap Jesus on it, it's okay, but it's not. <laughs> and you be telling them, rebu- I should be rebuking them and getting them together, be like, God, no, no, no. So my question is, how can evil be present in the lives of a believer, right? Like, how can evil be so be present in the eyes of a believer? How can we find ourselves being tempted over and over again? How can we find ourselves straying away from our relationship with God from where we used to be? John writes in verse 5, he says, remember and repent. Repentance is turning away from, from where you were. Repentance is not an emotion. It's a decision. Repentance is not an emotion. It is a decision. You have to cognitively think about, I'm going to make this choice to begin to turn away from what you told me not to do and begin to walk into the places that you called me to be. Repentance is getting rid of relationships. Repentance is um, creating healthy boundaries. Repentance is making sure that you may, even if you have a, a, an accountability partner. He says, if you do not repent, then I will remove my lampstand from your presence. He says, let me just say, the lampstand represents the presence of God, the holiness, I mean, just it, re- it represents the power of God. He says, if you don't repent, I will remove my power and my presence in your life. The lamp sends there to shed light in dark places. And because you have that relationship with the, um, Christ the Father, he gives us power through the Holy Spirit. I believe if we repent on a regular basis, it reminds us that we can always return to the Father. Right? If we repent on a regular basis, it reminds us that we can always go back home, that we are always welcome in the Father's house. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 and 20 says this. It says, repent, then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that the times of refreshing, revival may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed to you, even Jesus. He says that if you repent and turn to God, that your sins may be wiped out, that there will be times and seasons of refreshing. Maybe you're tired because you haven't repented. Maybe you're not refreshed because you haven't repented. Maybe God has not wiped out everything because you have not confessed those things that you know that is not what God has called you to do. He says that if we repent, that he will wipe away our sins. So we're called to remember, Recall to repent, and lastly, we're called to return to the Father, love. Revelations chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 says this. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear. Who overcomes, I will give him to eat at the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. You see that? He says, if you... Repent, and he makes it seem. Just let him hear. So he's saying that even though that he is dressing the church, he's making it individual, individualized for each person. It's like you need to repent, that you need to hear, so that way you can have fellowship with the Father. Are you willing to surrender all that you have to God today? Are you willing to repent? Are you willing to remember? Are you ready to return? King David found himself in quite a um, dire state. In the book of Acts, excuse me, in the book of in Psalms, chapter 51, David writes because he has a posture of repentance. House. He looks over and he sees this fine specimen of a woman named Bathsheba. He began to look, then he began to long, then he began to lust. Which led him to David took Bathsheba for his own. He, and then with her, they had a child, or she was pregnant. And because he knew that he had missed the mark, Psalms 51 records his repentance. And Psalms, according to your unfailing love, he's saying, God, I know that you love me, even on me, I'm jacked up and messed up. He says, God, please, great compassion, blot out my transgressions. God, blot out everything that I've done wrong, God, because you have put, you can put that in the seed of forgetfulness. Blot out my transgressions. Verse 2 says, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. Wash me. That I know that I'm not perfect. God, please. Then he says this in verse 3. For I know my transgressions and my sin. David says, God, I own my own stuff. I know that I messed up but God. I know that you're God who saves and you're God who heals. But he says, against you and you alone have I sinned and done what was evil in your sight. Like, God, I know that I was my sin, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. But yet, you desire faithfulness even in the... He says, cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be cleansed. Then, if you wash me, then snow. So I don't know where you're at today. Church that John is writing to. That maybe the thrill of church has been gone. Maybe coming to church, is, it's, just, it's just not hitting the same way that it used to hit. Side note, you should have your own personal worship anyway, so you don't need a church to have worship for you. Maybe the fellowship with believers is, is just not the thing anymore that, that God, I do on in a, in, in, like a, in a, in a casual day that I would date you and just see you when I want to see because things are just not the way that it takes. And this church is different or another church is different, but God is saying, you left me. I never left you. If you want to have a relationship with me, I need. You. Maybe. The thrill is gone. So how do I get? You got to spend time with the Father. I challenge you just as much as. You. If you're in your social media and you're you've got two and three hours that you find yourself believing. When I was in sabbatical, I locked up. I realized how much time it was taking away from not only my family but from God. So if you're willing to get back in relationship with God, God says, you know what? He's saying, Are you willing to surrender everything that I have for you? So we can be are you willing to Are you willing to surrender your spouse? Surrender your kids, your sports, your activities, all those things that you put before me. So are you willing to lay it down at the altar today? But God, my flesh, my flesh is weak, but my spirit is willing. God, help me. So when we sing this last song, and it's it's simple, it says, I surrender all. Surrender that today to the altar. And don't pick it back up. Because if you're in the right alignment with God, guess who benefits? Your spouse the ministry, your kids, your families, if you are in alignment with God. But if you're not, all of that you, that you're doing, it's in vain. So when I was in sabbatical, God began to reveal some things to me About me and how I was out of alignment. God said, Ryan, you got to get it right. But I'm like, God, I'm the pastor of the church. How can I be out of alignment? God, I'm the husband of of a wife. How can I be in alignment? I'm a father of two kids. God, I sit on several different boards. I hold a row with headquarters. I do all these different amazing things, but God is saying, Ryan, you're out of alignment. He said, All of that you're doing is in vain. He said, I don't need you to do any of that. I got this. He said, Give it to me and let me, let me have it. I'm out of alignment. I know I'm not alone. So this altar that's here today, it's open. Or if you need to do it at your seats, but whatever you do, lay it down. Surrender all that you have and give it to God. And stop putting God's name on it and say, because I'm doing it for the glory of God. He said, I would get glory by myself. He said, lay it down. So as we stand to our feet, I just pray that we surrender all that we have to God. So, Father, I thank you, God, for the gift of repentance. God, I thank you, God, for forgiving me of my sins. God, wash me, cleanse me. Father, make me new. God, help me to remember for where I've come from. And, God, I acknowledge today, God, that you have never left me. I was the one who left you. So, Heavenly Father, it's in my leaving, God, that I repent to you today. Father, as the leader of this church, God, as the visionary of this church, God, I repent before this church. God, Father, today, in me a clean heart. in a steadfast spirit. And God, I do remember for allowing me to return back home. In the mind of the Holy Spirit today, we ask that you would touch today. God, I know that you don't bring condemnation, but you bring conviction. Convict our hearts today. that we have all to thee. My Savior. And God, we love you. We thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for watching today's video. If you made a commitment of any kind or you made a first time decision to accept Christ, we want to hear from you. Email us at info at onechurchnc.net. If today's message encouraged you, we want to encourage you to give so that we can continue to share the hope of Jesus. You can do that by visiting onechurchnc.net slash give.